0: Isn't that good? i may be glad you have told the story of Jesus, Amen. And uh, I was, uh, so I was listening to Brother Marsh speak. The power of one person's life, the influence that we all have. Think of that. And uh, got to thinking about all the people in my life that's had influence in my life, and of course, um, very. Uh, Touching thing. I thought of this, all of you are in church, it's important. I, I, Laura and I was talking yesterday, you know, Mr. Atkinson is very ill. And, uh, you know, it was her youth pastor, her assistant, all the way up to her principal of the school. And, you know, and now he's possibly, the Lord's going to take him home. And uh, just the memories that flooded her mind, but even mine, just knowing, being in ministry and thinking about the influence they had. Talking about certain people in their life, and so I say that to encourage you. The power of your life, as I was listening to the Marshals, the power of your life, the influence that God will use you, and how God can use you to affect other people. And the greatest thing is to be able to lead somebody to the Lord. That's powerful, isn't it? And uh, I hope and pray that after fifty-three years, that I'll be just as joyful in the ministry. And say, hey, it's been a good good trip, Get a good, and it's been a good journey. And we know with the Lord it is a good journey, isn't it? Amen. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to the Gospel according to Matthew? The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 18. And as you know, on Sunday night I try to be very practical. Maybe on Sunday night, maybe a little bit more pastoral, but for sure want to be helpful. And I want to just say this. I love Tiftonia Baptist Church. Now when I say that, it doesn't mean I love this building. I'm fond of the building. I'm glad we have a building. I'm glad we have these buildings here. I'm glad we have this spot. I like it. But that's when I say, you know, I love Tiftonia Baptist Church. It's not a building, it's not carpet, it's you. It's the people of Tiftonia Baptist Church. And we're family. How many of you agree we're family? And I think it's important, I think it's vital to belong to a church family. Amen. And the Lord says a lot about the church, and of course the Word of God gives us so much practical instruction on how that we might behave ourselves in the house of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And this is a subject tonight that I want to deal with, and I pray that... Uh, the Lord will help us and speak to us. I really just want to talk about uh, the Christian fellowship or the fellowship of our church. Um, If you'll look in verse number 15, I'll start there, but I'm going to get caught up to there because I think it's important that we understand the context of what's being said, where it's being said, why is it being said, and we know verse 16 starts with the word moreover which means that there's something prior to that that he's still speaking on the same subject. Now, as if you read that before, you really wouldn't think, but I want to bring that out here just a moment. But let's look in verse number 15, and let's begin reading together and deal with the subject. The Bible says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother." But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear thee, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, notice this, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now I know we talk about those two passages of scripture a lot, but I want to deal with the verses that precedes this passage. Because I believe it's relevant. Now, I want you to look at me. As I was just studying and reading this passage, in the beginning of chapter 18, I want you to just start there with me. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, that's just like us. And then it's just like the Lord. If you read that whole passage, He takes that question and turns it on what is the very heart of God. And it was basically what Brother Marsh was talking about tonight. If you notice, if you keep reading chapter 18 there, he immediately takes that question where men are asking, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? For him to tell you and to tell them where his heart really was, and it was to see people saved. How did he turn that question to who's going to be the greatest? And if you notice with me there, the Lord did it. He said, listen, verily, verily, verse 3, I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Notice he keeps speaking to the disciples here. He says, Woe unto the world, because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Then I want you to notice in verse number 10, he says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Verse 11, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Now, how did he go from, Hey, who do you think is going to be the greatest, to him sharing his heart and saying, Hey, I want you to know something? What's great, what we need to understand is I'm about not finding out who the greatest is. I am interested and you're going to be interested. And look, I've come for one mission. That's to save people. That's to help people. He said, that's why I'm here. But he also knows who he's talking to. And by the way, I know who I'm talking to and I know who's doing the talking tonight. So I want you to understand. Then he keeps going here. Then the Bible says in verse 13, if so be that he find it, now he's talking about what if someone was lost, If if a shepherd had sheep and one was lost, what would he do? He'd leave the 99 to go find the other. So see what he's doing is he's trying to teach these men the importance of people and the importance of relationships. He keeps going. Then he says that... Shepherds will go out and he's going to find that one sheep that was lost. And then they're all going to rejoice. Verse 14, here he goes again. Even so it is not the will of your father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So now he's talking about the importance of people, how people are going to get lost, how they might uh, stumble, how they might fall, how they might wander away. By the way, that sheep wandered away. But he's trying to teach the disciples the importance and the value and the love of a soul, a person, and also to maintain relationships. Why? Wow. Because look in verse 15, our, what we started reading tonight. Then he says, moreover. So now, he's still talking about the same subject, talking about, listen, I want you to know the importance of people, the importance of their life, the importance of them getting saved, the importance of keeping our relationship. He really nails here because he said, look. He said, if someone offends you, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to that person alone, by yourself, try to work that thing out, why? Because you love the person, you love your relationship, and then he says, if you're not gonna hear you, then you need to take a witness, and the reason you need to take a couple witnesses, two or three witnesses, to establish word. That means that there's no misunderstanding, because you know as well as I do, and I'm not being ugly, sometimes human relationships get to a place of where things just don't, they're not figured out. The two people so involved in it, they have two different views. But if you get three people there with them, there's nothing that can be said that's not understood. No one can lie and tell something different because you got witnesses there now. It's very important. Now, if you have a relationship to get to that point, the Bible still says, look, if someone's offended you, you want to make it right, you go to them on, by yourself, quietly, try to work it out. And by the way, that's the best way. Amen. That's the best way. That's the way it ought to be. But then he says, if that's not going to work, then look, you might have to escalate that thing, take you two or three witnesses in there so they know that what's being done, so the words can be established, there could be nothing that's walked out of that room, that nothing's been said, that's not been true. That's exactly what he means. So it can be established. Then he says, if they won't hear that, and he said, then last, lastly, you take them to the church. But I want to say, all of that was done for this reason. Because you want to restore somebody. You want to make your relationship right with that person. Can I get a witness? Can I say our relationships are worth fighting for? And by the way, the Bible does not say when a brother shall trespass against you. Listen to me. We live in this world, people are human, and we are going to fail people, and you're going to fail people. We're going to have struggles in relationships. So it's not, oh, I don't have a good relationship because, you know, someone's trespassed against me. No, we know that we're going to have trespasses. Here's the form, I think, of a good, strong Christian is what are they willing to do to reconcile the relationship? That's the whole reasoning of this passage. Now, some people jump right there and say, I'll tell you right now, bring them for the church. We should never glory in having to bring somebody before the church. Amen. We should never glory in that. I've heard somebody. I'll tell you right now, I'm going to bring them before the church. Well, that's not something that you ought to feel happy and excited to do. That ought to be last. Mm-hmm. We've done everything we can want to restore the fellowship or the, maybe something that has been broken. So when we talk about this Christian fellowship, the gathering of God's people for fellowship and worship is taught and assumed in the scriptures. But I believe that we need to see three little things tonight that would help us in our Christian fellowship. And again, I think the preface of all of this is, is our relationships are worth fighting for. Our relationships are worth going the extra mile for. That's what this church discipline is all about. It's not so much, oh, I'll tell you right now. No, it's about, he said, look, he just said, look, I want you boys to know something. I came to see everybody saved. I want you to know I love the children. If someone's going to get saved, they have to be humbled like little children. And I want you to know I came to seek and to save that which is lost. I also want you to know that it's not the Father's will that any should perish. Now, let me just say something to you guys. Sometimes in the work of God and in the family of a church setting, you're going to have a brother that's going to trespass against you There's going to be hurts. There's going to be misunderstandings. And the Lord says, moreover, when those things take place, let me give you some good instruction how to keep your fellowship and your relationships in your church family. That's so important. So important in the work of God today is having Christian fellowship in the church. And so I want to just give you three quick things. Number one, when we think of Christian fellowship and we read this pastor scripture, the Lord is trying to emphasize togetherness. Togetherness. Now I want you to think about this. Why would you even go to a brother that has trespassed against you? Why? Because you want to be together. Whatever that trespass is, you want to make it right so you can be in the right place, the right relationship together. That would be the whole point of why the Lord would instruct these disciples, say, look, when, not if, when a brother or a sister offends you, you are to go to that person because you want to be right with that person. You want to have the right relationship with that person. And when someone trespasses against you, you want to be back together with them. So what is the key? You are going to go to them personally and work that out. By the way, can I just give everyone some encouragement here? 99.9% of the time, if this first one is done, there is no other need for another step. But here's the sad thing about it. Most Christians won't do this. They won't do it. What they do is they harbor more things in them and they say, and what they do is they talk about somebody else's trespasses. No, God says, go to that person. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I, I, Brother Milford knows what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm going to be serious with you right now. Years ago, I appreciate the honesty. It didn't feel good, but I appreciate the honesty. We knocked on a man's door. He hadn't been coming to church for a while. And Brother Milford said, oh, something's happened. I said, well, I'm going to tell you. And I told Milford, when. I said, it's me. He said, oh, no, it ain't you, Pastor. Everybody loves you. I said, no, it's me. We knocked on the door. Man comes to the door and we spoke and Brother Milford spoke and he was real, he was real nice to Milford and he just kind of overlooked me. And so in my heart, I said, it's me, buckle up and get ready. We walked in that house, we sat down. It was as cold as a mother-in-law's kiss, amen. He was fine with Brother Milford. Brother Milford was carrying on the conversation with him. We was talking, I'm sitting there going like this. And I'm sitting there going, it's me, boy. I, I know it's me. Get ready. Lord, help me here because I'm going to have to, if it's something that I've done, I was saying, Lord, help me to tell him I'm sorry. I'm sitting there fiddling, me. I'm like, yeah, okay, and they're just carrying on a conversation. And by that time, Brother Mill forgets of the good stuff. He said, now, let me just say, he said, now, look, has something happened? He said, something happened to Sunday school? He said, no, 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 not at all. He said, something else something said He's like, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, and I awesome. said, well, here's my, I said, is it me? He went, he looked me dead in the eye said, yep, yes it is. <laughs> I went, okay. I said, what is it? He told me two things. And both things was a misunderstanding. Two things I said, which y'all would never believe, that I said from behind the pulpit, and someone didn't get it. And I'm going to be honest about one of them. It was early on, and people was trying to figure out what to call me. Brother Mark, Pastor, Bru- what a- and I, even, I made this statement. I said, I prefer Pastor Mark. Pastor, but I said, I'm going to be honest. I don't care what you call me as long as you call me for supper. I said it just like that. Well, he took offense of that because he called me Brother. I said, oh, my soul, no, not at all. I said, oh, you don't need to be offended by that. I said, I said, brother, you can call me anything you want to. I said, that didn't bother me at all. But I, I want to say this. I appreciate that man. Because he did have some things. Maybe I thought, well, I would have never got upset by that. But you know what? Some people get upset about things I wouldn't get upset over. But I appreciate his honesty. And you know what? He went to heaven a few years ago, and I was honored to be able to bury him. None of that would have taken place if that first principle, now there was some witnesses there, but I do appreciate his honesty that we wanted to work it out, and by the way, we did. 99.9% of the time, if there's been a trespass, you can work it out before you do anything else if you'll just go to the person and say, hey, can we talk a minute? Amen. God knows what he's doing. Why? Because we have to stay together, church. And I'm going to say this to you. We're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. And yes, sometimes we're going to be misunderstood. Sometimes, sadly, you'll even be trespassed by a church member. But listen to me. We must stay together. Togetherness implies more in Scripture than just merely coming together and assembling in church. It's together what it implies. Here you go, ready? We have to be. We have to have a oneness. We have to be in one accord. We have to have the same uh, uh, vision, the same work. What is it? It's God's vision. We're here to seek and to save that which is lost. We're here to see the lost people get saved. We are here to carry on God's work. And so we have to stay together. Have to stay together. We've got to be in one accord. We've got to be with one mind. That's why I told you all years ago now, when we have business meetings, if I was a part of a church that churches wanted to argue and fight in a business meeting, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be in that one. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I like everything here, but there's no way I'm going to get upset by the color of them pews and get upset with somebody over something like that when somebody is lost and dying and going to hell and we can stay together. So we're going to stay together. We're going to stay together. We, it's what he's talking about. He said togetherness implies more here. He says again, I say unto you that if two or three shall agree on earth as touching anything, and where we're two or three are gathered together in my name. Listen to me. We're gathering here together. We want to be in one accord. Can I say not only implies oneness, but it implies harmony. No contention. And I can honestly say this. We've been here right at 15 years. And there's been, to my knowledge, no contention. And by the way, by God's grace... We want to keep it that way. Why? There's too many things more important about me getting my feelings hurt. I'm not trying to minimize when we get our feelings hurt. It really hurts and it's real. By the way, preachers' feelings get hurt too. They really do. I think some people say, "Oh, well, he could." T-. Well, no, we get hurt too. I sometimes say to people, "I said, boy." They better be glad I don't say that to them. But I, I want to say, it implies harmony. There's no contention. And I'm going to look at this later. But togetherness. Why did the Lord give this principle talking about, look, if you have a brother that's trespassing against you, go. why? Because He said, we got to be together. There's no relationship that is so bad, I believe, that's not worth the effort. To stay together in. So we understand togetherness. Without togetherness, and this is where I really want to talk about or emphasize, without togetherness, any joint effort in the church is almost impossible. Without togetherness, every joint, everything we try to do will be almost impossible. For instance, y'all know everything we do here, we've got a parade coming up here soon. We had a fall festival here just the other week. Could you imagine if we all came here and we were all so frustrated and aggravated with one another, we were all put out? We would never do that. We'd never be excited about going there. We'd never want to come here and put the time in to try to reach our community. Same with coming up in December when we do the parade. If all we're going to do is have contention, if all we're going to have is struggle, there's nobody here that's going to want to do that and put their heart in it. Come on now. Togetherness. It's so important because, look, without it, it's almost impossible to do anything with the Lord and for the Lord with joy. Oh, we might grudge around and do it. Well, I've got to go down there and do that. I'd hate to have to serve God like that all my life. Well, I've got to go down there and put up with so-and-so. Well, look, I know y'all got to put up with me. But you know what? We ought to be together. If we're going to have this church fellowship that we have, and I believe we do, we're going to have togetherness. We're going to gather together, but more than just assembling in a building together, we're going to be one accord. We're going to be in one accord. We're going to be in unity, and we're going to have harmony with no contention. That is so important, church, and I praise God for the spirit and the attitude of our church. Togetherness. Number two, simply, if we're going to have church fellowship that we ought to have, we're gathering and doing the Lord's work, we have to have love. Listen, it is love which creates desire to fellowship. Now, let's dig deep. Why should we love coming to church? Well, I just love the psalm service. Well, I'm glad you do, but that's not why we ought to come. Well, I'll just tell you what, I love my pew. Well, I'm glad you do, but that's not why we should come. Well, I'll tell you right now, I love that it's short services. Uh, I can tell some of you ain't listening. Well, I like going down there to church because it's short services. Well, that's a great reason and maybe one day we'll find out what those are about. But that ain't why you ought to come. Well, I'll tell you right now, I like coming because Pastor Mark, he likes to stick his foot in his mouth. Well, that happens, but that's not the reason why you ought to want to come. Why do you ought to love to come to church already? Because you love the one who founded it. That's it. We love the Lord. We love him. He created the church. It's his church. He's just allowing us to be a part of his work. And what a great honor that is. But we got to love the Lord. That's going to keep the unity and the fellowship of our church right. Because we're going to love to worship together. Why? Because we love the one we're worshiping. We love the one that we're gathering here for. We love the one that while we're putting on a fall festival, we love the one and we love everybody a part of that when we do the parade because we love the one that we're trying to get other people to know. See, he's always the ghost. I tell you right now, I don't want to come to church tonight. I got nursery. Well, I can help you with that. You'll love the nursery. I know it's not fun sometimes, but you ought to love the nursery a little bit more because you love the one who founded the church. See I don't know about y'all but I'm always Trying to find reasons to do something The right reasons To do something and layers I try to put layers on things because You know uh, For instance I'm not saying I'm just saying when I think about the ministry We ought to serve the Lord because I love the Lord But I'm going to be honest and it's not always meant That I've been perfect but one of the things That's heavy on me is I think about these children And the responsibility that we have And let's just say that one of us go out and up our life we have to think about the repercussions of that with our children and with these children I'm not saying it's the best reason but it won't hurt us it's another layer to put on top but the reason that we ought to desire to be here is because we love him it's the love for him the love for God the love for Christ that's within us 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a beautiful chapter but it's love which creates the desire for fellowship. It's the love that creates the desire for us to be as a church family. It's the love that God has given me that I'm willing to forgive your trespass. It should be your love for him that you're willing to love me to forgive my trespass. It's not so, I'll tell you what, he's easy to love. Well, I'm not always easy to love. Neither are you, but the Lord is. is. And we ought to be willing to forgive someone's trespass in this church because we love him. One of the ladies, the little girl said it today. We're to forgive one another. Why? Because why? He's forgiven us for Christ's sake. Our love for him motivates us to be right with one another. I have to want to desire to be right with all of you because I love him. His love creates that desire to have a togetherness together. His love, the love for Christ within us. And then let me just say this. We ought to have love one for another. There was a new preacher that took a church, and every sermon he got up and preached on uh, love your brethren, love your brethren, love your brothers and sisters, love your brethren, love your brethren. He preached, and finally the deacons got sick of it, and they went up to him and said, look, man. We brought you here to preach. He said, you've only got one message. He said, how long are you going to keep preaching that same message? And that preacher looked at that deacon and said, until y'all start doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love your brother. Especially those of the household of faith. we got to love one another. Does that mean that we all like the same things? No. Can I just be candid with y'all? Y'all won't get mad at me. Yeah. Sometimes people get on your nerves. Come on now, let's be honest. Somebody, y'all, y'all want? Let's do a test. See whether y'all going be y'all gonna be honest tonight. Has anybody in your church ever gotten your nerves? Would you raise your hand? Absolutely. Look here, I get on my own nerves. But what? Why can we overlook that? I mean, we come here every weekend, week out. Some of us are here three times a week. Some of us are here more than that. And we keep putting ourselves up to that if someone gets on our nerves or if we're in a situation. And by the way, I know Brother Edgy knows this probably. I know my family knows this. I I get wound tight. And when I get frustrated and wound tight, it's usually because somebody's life is at stake. For instance, like, uh, if I get nervous about something, I start counting the calls. Like camps, I get nervous. Um, zip lines, I get nervous. <laughs> I've had nightmares about that thing. And you know why? It's not just because of the heights. I was afraid somebody in our church was going to get hurt. Stuff like that wears me out. And, like, Brother Edgy always comes up to me, and he'll say, do you, is it okay to do this? And I'm like an old grandpa I'm always sitting there going, man. And I get wound tight. I get frustrated. I know my family knows this. Um, But you know what? I'm glad people puts up with me. And I would love to say, well, the reason they do it is because they love me. No, I hope it's because you love the Lord. Because if you love him, you'll put up with me some more. And if I love him like I should, I'll put up with you too. Another story that I heard years ago that this deacon in the church was always up on the pastor man. He was just always fussing. about it. By the way, I want to say this. I love and appreciate our deacons. Amen. To my knowledge, they ain't never had a, a meeting without me. That's a joke. We have a good relationship. But you know what? I think we work hard to maintain it. But uh, this... Deacon kept coming to the pastor. I mean, he was just ripping him up. Just every day, every day. I mean, just constantly. Just every little whip stitch. He was just bugged over something. Well, you didn't say this, you didn't do this, you didn't say this. And man, he just kept on and kept on and kept on. And finally, that pastor one day in love looked at that deacon. He said, You know what? He said, Can I just say something to you? He said, It's amazing. He said, I know that I make a lot of mistakes. But he said, Here's what's amazing to me. He said, you ain't no Apostle Paul yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So we ought to be careful when we start finding all the faults in everybody else. Because remember, you're no Apostle Paul yourself. Together it's love. See, it's love which preserves the unity of fellowship. Would you turn with me real quick and we're going to hurry. 1 Corinthians Let's just read a few passages, verses here of a passage we know. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4. Look here now. Y'all ready? And this, we know we use this for family. We use this in our marriage. We use this in our relationships. But boy, I tell you what, this, this works in our church relationships too. Charity suffereth long. That's what I'm talking about here just a minute. Suffereth long, man. That means we put up with one another. and is kind, charity envieth not. See, that's why I've, I've seen churches split because of a mom or a, a little girl or another mom and a little girl, and one little girl don't get to ask to do something the other little girl does or whatever, vice versa, and I've seen people split the church because of that, and I'm just going to be honest with you now, we've got to be careful because we ought to be thankful if anybody gets an opportunity to do for something for the Lord around here. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Here it is now. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. By the way, that perfect has come. The Lord Jesus and the canon of scripture. I want to thank, I I want to just encourage you tonight. Church family, we ought to be together. We ought to be in love. Number three. Characteristics fellowshipping in church, Christian fellowship, there's going to be growth. I don't know all about this here, but the Bible says, I can't explain it all, but the Bible does say, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. the Lord gives the church an awful lot of power there. But he said right here for where two or three are gathered together in my name there am I in the midst of them. And again I'm saying to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask it shall be done for them of my father which is heaven. I truly believe he's talking about dealing with relationships here and how to deal with people. Because by the way this church has to make a decision on this heathen, this man that won't make things right. But nonetheless, I believe we understand this. I believe that division in a church family is a sign of an immature Christian. I'm going to be honest, I've been here 15 years. I don't know of one person here that would get upset and fight over the kind of carpet we have. But I've seen it. And by the way, I will say this, we have to guard our hearts because you say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm a pretty mature Christian, but it's amazing how our flesh can get in there and make us awful immature and get all upset over something that really don't matter. Really don't matter. Do you know how many people I know have left church and gotten upset with a church family because of something that's so little, so small, but it was big to them? But I'm going to be honest with you, it's a sign of immaturity. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, let's turn quickly now. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, we know that the church of Corinth was a carnal church. We know they had a lot of trouble. We know they had a lot of divisions. We know they were an immature group of people. No doubt. Paul spends two epistles trying to clean up and clear up all their problems because of immaturity. Division's a sign of immaturity. I want you to notice the first three verses. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ... I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Notice this, for you are yet carnal. How do you know, God? How do you know they were carnal? Paul, how do you know they were carnal? Well, there's marks. Just like we have birthmarks that we've been born. There's birthmarks that people are immature in their Christian life. We can see it if you are watching, if you're paying attention, if you have some spiritual discernment. And by the way, if you have spiritual discernment, you can see it in your life. See, what I have to always be careful of is be examining everybody else and not examine my own. And boy, it's so easy for all of us. We can sit back and examine everybody else's faults and failures and and shortcomings, but oh, it's harder to look at our own. But we'll do a whole lot better if we'll look at our own. You say, Pastor, how do you know, Paul, that that you're not, that you're being immature? Because he said, you're carnal, but why? Here's why. Here's what he says. Notice the reasons. He says, whereas whereas there is among you envying and strife and division. There's a sure sign right there that you're dealing with a spirit. Spiritually immature Christian when they're always up in the air about something. Can I help everybody here? Look, I know there can be a lot of improvement here. But us sitting around and talking about how bad it is and how better it could be, it ain't gonna do a thing to change it unless somebody gets involved in helping change it. But sitting around and talking about how bad it is is not gonna help it get any better. Amen. And by the way, someone always harping up in the air about something. Nobody wants to hang around that long. And here's what happens. What we need to start doing is if they're going to harp about everything, we're going to start harping about everything on them. See, it goes both ways. But why? What what is this? It takes maturity. Division. Y'all like to, can I ask y'all a question? Question. Would y'all want to come to a, a church service on Sunday? And even when we do business or anything, and bring your children there, I wouldn't know what to do. I've heard horror stories. Like well, I tell you right now, we used to go down that church, and all they ever did was fight. What a horrible testimony! But more than that, what immaturity? See, the mark of an immature Christian is what. Envying, strife, and division. Now listen, church, we've got to guard our hearts. You know what? I've seen people that's never struggled with envy in a church till their children got older. Come on. Oh, well, that doesn't apply to me right now. Well, we'll just wait. <laughs> Things change in life. Circumstances change, but this truth doesn't change. No matter what it is, we have to be in love with the Lord, keep unity in the church, and be spiritually mature and not have division. Growth. Can I say division is a sign of immature Christianity, but boy, I love this, and we're going to close on a positive note. Look at Colossians chapter number 3 real quick, and I'm going to close. Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 8, I love this. Colossians chapter 3 verse 8. But now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. I love verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. But Christ is all And in all spiritual maturity, I'm going to tell you how it will show, boy, we will be unified. When I pulled up in this parking lot every Sunday, it reminds me we're all different. Y'all know why? Because we all have different tastes in vehicle. Now, some people want to argue about that. In West Virginia, that was a big thing. It was Ford or Chevrolet. Ford or Chevrolet, I mean, people come to block. I mean, they get, they get mad if you bought a Ford or they get mad if you have a Chevrolet. And look, I, I've never met anybody like that. But no, I've heard a few people, I'll pull up and I've had a Nissan and a Toyota. And I have had a couple men in the church look at me and say, okay, right now you need to buy American made I agree. I agree. I wish we'd make Ford and Chevy in America. Last time I checked over here when I went trout fishing, there was a Nissan plant. Somebody say amen. amen. It's in America. But you said, well, Pastor, did you get upset? No, but I just kind of walked off and I kind of just snickered. I laughed at myself. It's like, that's funny, boy. He's serious about that. But you know what's amazing? We walked right in this building and I got right up here and he sat right down there. And you know what? We love each other today. You know why? Because he's mature and I hope I am too. We all have different tastes. But you know the mark of a spiritual mark of a person? I'm going to tell you all what it is. It's unity. Hey, look here. Y'all ready? We ain't sweating the little stuff. There's too much big stuff. Because I'm going to tell you all something right now. I can promise you as your pastor, as your friend, if something happens to your family, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to fight the devil with you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to cry with you. I'm going to stand there with you. Listen, when the real stuff comes, we're going to be there. Let's not sweat the little stuff. Let's not sweat the little stuff. Spiritual maternity, they don't sweat the little stuff. They stay unified. Because we know who we're staying unified with and we know why we're unified. Because we're in his work together. And I thank God for my church family. Amen. I couldn't imagine living, breathing, even trying to do anything in this world without knowing y'all are here and in my life. Y'all feel the same?